This is Cuda Chronicles with the Burlington Junior Barracudas and your host, Jared Bapti. Well, how was practice last night? It was tiring. <laughs> <laughs> tiring, yeah. Pretty out of shape, feels like. We did like, we did skating like the whole time. Yeah. And then like three on three with like seven people or eight people, which was like impossible. But... Yeah. So well, you didn't really do like skills drills then? No, not really. Not really, no. No? No. I guess that makes sense, right? Just kind of get back into it. Yeah. How, um, yeah. <laughs> how, how, how bad did you guys feel? Um, horrible. <laughs> not great yeah oh well i'm sure you know i mean, i think i think you you start to um like isn't there another practice on tuesday there's like we have practices from like monday to thursday yeah oh wow yeah so i mean that's and good gyms too and workouts yeah so you're just getting right back into the swing of things yeah well, that's pretty yeah. solid. That's good. That's what you need, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, but we've started. So welcome to, I love to do that. You see, uh, I try to catch everybody off guard and we just chat. Uh, welcome to Cuda Chronicles. This week, uh, I'm joined by Paige Gracco and Jamie Castellick, uh, two other forwards, two daughters of the coaching staff that we're going to have on in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to talk to head coach Kevin Gracco, uh, Jamie Suter and Frank Castellick, two assistant coaches, because we thought it would be fun to not only chat with our own coaching staff, because throughout the rest of this season on the podcast, we're going to be getting other coaches from other schools and, and other uh, celebrities, if you will, in the women's hockey community come on the show. Uh, so we thought we would interview our own coaching staff as well, because they think they're, they're they think they're a, a group of jokers. So we'll 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 see just just how funny they think they are. But a couple of things we want to chat about before that. It's a massive weekend for women's hockey. The PWHPA Dream Gap Tour kicked off last night in New York, and it was a good game. Honestly, um, I know the two of you were at practice, but I was able to tune in, and uh, it was five two uh, for. Now the the names are a little bit uh, difficult. Some t- uh, they've got Team Adidas and Team Women's Sports Foundation, and I'm going to just call them Team WSF from now on. But a uh, Team Adidas won, and that's the team with Kendall Coyne, Schofield, Hillary Knight. So I mean, kind of makes sense that they won, but. They, it was actually really, really tight game. 39 to 30 were the shots on net. And it was really tight until the third period where Team Adidas just exploded. But the first goal of this season of the Dream Gap Tour was scored by Kuda's alumni, uh, Haley Skimora, which is pretty cool. She got it kicked off for W, the Team WSF um, before, um, well, before <laughs> Team Adidas kind of opened it up but what what I, i'm really excited for tonight and i don't know if the two of you are going to be able to tune in or not but uh just to have the we'll have women's hockey in madison square garden for the first time ever is really exciting 
<laughs> you agree? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's super the first cool. woman's game there. So that's pretty good. I guess. Yeah. I only hear about concerts and stuff there. Yeah. And the Rangers, of course. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. The two of you were just so entranced with what I was saying. <laughs> um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. That's at seven o'clock tonight. You can catch that on uh, Sportsnet and the NHL Network. I think it's on NBC. I'm not sure. I know some of the NBC Sportsnet crew is going to be helping out with that. Um, but that's a lot of fun. They'll be in Chicago next weekend too. So they, they've really hit the ground running as the PWHPA. And I'm, I'm really excited to watch tonight's game. What was interesting though, let me run this by, let me run this by the two of you. Their point system is a little bit different. They, so it's obviously, you know, you, um, one, you know, you get a you get a point for winning. Well, you get two points for winning, actually. Um, you know, but then you get a point and a half for an overtime win. Oh, a point and a half? Isn't it usually yeah, a point and a half. It's usually and like one point. Yeah. So then you get one point for a shootout win, half a point for a shootout or overtime loss. And zero points for a regulation loss. That's so confusing. Yeah, I don't understand that. Just wait. Well... <laughs> oh. Additional points can be earned each game when a player scores a hat trick. You get a team point for a player scoring a hat trick. A goalie Ooh. records a shutout. A shorthanded goal is scored. Or a team scores five or more goals in a game. So I mean, in like, last night's game... <laughs> so in last night's it's game confusing, but it's fun yeah. right it's it's yeah. like it's different and fun so in last night's game a team adidas actually gets three points because they scored five goals and mm -hmm. abby rock was this close to getting a hat trick she got two goals so they could have had four points mm -hmm. um but regardless team adidas kind of has a chokehold on this kind of back-to-back right now um, and then we'll see how everything carries on because they're trying to make it a bit more like a season where I'm pretty sure all the points are going to be tallied up and carried over. But what's interesting is that, so like, for example, if it was, so it was five, two last night, right. But for example, if team WFS, uh, or uh, WSF, I'll get it. If they came back and tied it, and then went to overtime. But uh, let's say Abby Rock scored the six to five winning goal in overtime, right? So mm -hmm. you, so Team Adidas would get one and a half points for an overtime win, a point for five goals, and a point for hat trick. So they'd have three and a half points. But then because uh, because Team WSF lost in overtime, they'd get a half point for an overtime loss, but uh, a five or more goals scored. So they'd, ha they'd have a point and a half, despite the fact they lost in overtime. So it's a whole wacky thing. It's like full chaos. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's kind of fun. I don't know. Yeah, it seems fun. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, and you get to reward um, individual accomplishments, right? Yeah. So that's pretty cool. But anyways, that's the PWHPA. We have to talk about as well before we bring the coaches on uh, the NCAA Hockey East playoffs start this afternoon. They'll have already started by the time. Uh, well, they actually have already started, but specifically the game that we're all paying attention to is the Yukon Huskies. They will have started by the time this podcast goes up, maybe even finished by the time this goes up. But regardless, we'll preview the game because uh, our graduate from last season, Tia Chan, was just named to the Hockey East All-Rookie Team. And they'll be playing Boston College. I don't necessarily know the likelihood of Tia starting this afternoon uh, based on the fact that their other goalie, uh, Yell, is a senior so yeah yells probably gonna get priority there yeah for, for playoffs you never know yeah um you know but i mean tia's had a stellar season like nine five eight save percentage in nine games is unreal crazy a little bit of a higher goals against average but that's partly because of um I mean, from my perspective, some defensive uh, collapses in front of her. Um, you know, I've seen some just kind of boneheaded plays, to be honest. Like there was one play that, I, that I've referenced before where a defender had the puck in the corner and like blindly backhanded past it behind their own net where there was an attacking player who just scooped it up, came out in front and scored. And I was like, well... That's not what you want. No, that's not uh, good at all. So, Jamie, as a defender, mm. when when things aren't quite clicking in your own end, how do you uh, kind of try to, to turn things around defensively? Mm, I mean, uh, our coach, Kevin, always emphasizes the fact that it's important to, you know, if you have no options in our end, to just get it off the glass and out because it's better to be have the puck in a neutral zone than stuck in our own end. So I would say that's our team or defense strategy there. Yeah. That's a pretty, that's pretty common one. Right. Um, Especially when you're hemmed in your own end and you're getting pressured, right. You really don't want to send a backhanded (laughs) pass behind your own net (laughs) blindly. Um, But the thing about Boston College is that they uh, they finished second in the hockey East standings, and they were they were just short of a powerhouse, really fourteen and four in uh, in the standings uh, in what is that eighteen games? Math is hard. Um, two just two overtime wins, no overtime losses. What is interesting for me. They got 56 goals for 32 goals against. Now that's the second most of teams above UConn in the standings. Mm. Uh, UConn is tied for Providence with 34 goals against. So if UConn can not only tighten up defensively because they do have 34 goals against, they need to be a little bit better offensively, get a few more goals by Boston college, but if they can, yeah, if they can take advantage of those goals against and then just shut it down, 
they should be able to move on to the next game. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But why don't we bring on our coaches now? Okay, we're now joined by our three coaches, our uh, wonderful coaching staff of the Barracudas, head coach Kevin Greco, assistant coaches Frank Castellic and Jamie Suter. And we'll just start off with something nice. Coach, Kevin, uh, how was practice last night? I'm having a deja vu. Um, <laughs> practice was good. Uh, it's good to get back on the ice. Uh, everybody was pretty excited. I think um, it's been a long time and we had a little bit of work to do to get back into shape, but everybody looked good. Frank, I had you do a bit of filming and um, it seemed like some folks were interested and others weren't. What do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people are camera shy at the best of time, but uh, I don't think they knew why I was filming them. So, um, you know, I think that they were all underneath the mask. They were all happy to be back on the ice. So it was good to see everybody back at the rink. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, on top of this and, um, and that post, I'm going to edit that up and, and make a little post to show that we're all back on the ice. Uh, Jamie, take it away. For Actually, I wasn't, there. I wasn't there last no, night. No, you weren't there? That's okay. <laughs> no, I was, I was fishing with my brother ice fishing, so I, unfortunately I missed that. Oh, well. You have to say like bad. Coach Jamie or Jamie because... I know, I'm going to have to be specific. <laughs> all right. I think, um, what was most... Um, you know, um, I guess um, reassuring what last night was to see that uh, Coach Frank hadn't lost any of his stride and he was ripping it up in the scrimmage. <laughs> yeah, he was doing his own skating while we were doing our skating. <laughs> yeah, I was also I was also scoring in the three on three. These hands, you know, are just still soft as ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, coaches got to be just as in shape, right? All right, player Jamie, why don't you start us off? Are we going into the questions? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, this one's for Jamie, Coach Jamie. Where did you play hockey growing up? <laughs> yeah, I played hockey uh, growing up in Chatham, Chatham, Ontario. Uh, if you don't know where that is, that's about, uh, it's in between Windsor and London, about halfway in between. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I played all the way through Chatham from novice all the way through midget. And what was your team name? We, we were called the Chatham Maroons back then. Okay. Yeah. And our junior team was the Chatham Maroons as well at the time. Very nice. But yeah, no, I played all my whole career in Chatham. One team, same team the whole time through. Same group of friends and still friends with the same wow. group. Wow. Yeah. Like, like us. Yeah, it's very much similar to you guys, yeah. Wow. You've been, you, you were a Maroon all your life. That's right, yeah. <laughs> And an Ontario champion, just like you guys, too. 87. Are your jerseys maroon or burgundy? <laughs> Rich mahogany. <laughs> Down with fine weather. We had many leather-bound books in Chatham. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, Jared, you went to Windsor, right? I did. I did go to the University of Windsor. Did you ever pass through Chatham? I mean, I passed through it. Never stopped. No. <laughs> Just kept going. <laughs> kind of went, oh, there's the sign for Chatham. Cool. I'm close now. Yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, Frank, what about you? What's your hockey background? Yeah, I played in, uh, I grew up in Scarborough. So I played uh, hockey my most of my life uh, for the Dorset Park Bruins out in Scarborough. I didn't even know that. 
<laughs> we, don't, we don't talk enough, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Hockey talk is prohibited in this household. That's right. right. Unless it's girls hockey, we don't talk hockey. <laughs> Kevin, what's yours? Um, I, I grew up uh, for the first part in Toronto, uh, Rexdale, Tobacco area. So um, there was a team back there. I think we were called the Tobacco Rats. Ironic. And um, then I was going to play for the Marlies. And we moved to Bolton, Ontario. Well, Calden East and the closest center was Bolton. And so I played for the Bolton Bruins, which was uh, a little different than uh, down in Toronto. And then uh, when I was starting to get into junior, it was uh, Bramley. Bramley Blues. So, so how did the how did each of you get started in in coaching? Then, why don't we stick with you, Kevin? Um, I think I started um, shortly. I think I was still in university, and I would help out with some teams. Uh, I was playing at Laurier, and uh, so when I had some time, I helped out some teams. I'm a phys ed teacher. So uh, I was always involved in coaching. And then when I started teaching, I was coaching a hockey team and volleyball team and soccer team and football team. And so uh, I think when I really got into coaching was probably coaching high school hockey. Been coaching for about 25 years now, I guess. Last 10 years or so with girls. Frank? Well, when the girls started playing hockey, I realized there was better access to yelling at them uh, on the ice versus through the glass. So I quickly volunteered to uh, help on ice. On ice assistant. So I kind of bounced back and forth between the two girls and, uh, you know, really found a home with the uh, with the Burlington team. It's been it's been a lot of fun watching the uh, watching them kind of grow and mature as a as a group of young ladies. Yeah, my experience is similar to Kevin's. Um, I'm a phys ed teacher as well. So I started uh, coaching mainly in school, uh, middle school, grade, grade six, seven, eights, basketball, volleyball, mainly. Um, so that was my first coaching experience. And then my first hockey coaching experience with, with uh, Maddie's older sister, Emma, uh, back in Novice. And so, and kind of like Frank, I've been kind of bouncing around from uh, helping with Emma and my other daughter, Kate's team. And but I've been, I've always been with you guys, though. I've always been with this team ever since day one, since uh, actually Kevin and I were assistants way back in novice with, um, with this team, with a core group of girls. And we've, and I've been an assistant coach with this team ever since. <laughs> I've been very lucky watching those guys grow up and it's, it's been a real pleasure to, uh, to see them develop over the years. And uh, Kevin and I have been working together as coaches for, well, I think after that season, he, um, coached his other daughter Lauren for a few seasons and then he got back over to this team and Peewee yeah. so um, yeah we've been working together for a long time and same with Frank and I too we've been working together for a long time as well so we got a pretty good chemistry I think the three of us we kind of balance did I yeah. did I mention I'm also a phys ed teacher a <laughs> <laughs> gaggle of phys ed teachers on this crew he's a dodgeball teacher yeah <laughs> specialized <laughs> Yeah I, um, I, yeah, I think we, I was an assistant. Actually, I had Maddie and a couple of the girls yeah. right from Tyke when they were four, four years old, I think. Uh, Paige and Maddie started at four, and my other daughter was 
six. And so the age group was four to six and there was a few of them on that team. And yeah, and yeah, you bounce back and forth between the different, uh, your different daughters. And, and then ever since I think Peewee made, was it major, minor, minor, major Peewee? Yep. Minor. We've been with this group since. Yeah. 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 I haven't fired All me right. yet, so I'll keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you're back for the next two years with the, with the junior team. Um, I'm not sure about, Jamie and Frank in that sense, but we'll, we'll let that be a mystery for now. Paige, I'll step back. Uh, why don't you kick us off with one of our next questions? Okay. Um, so my first question's for you, dad. Um, so what do you look for in players coming up to junior when you're recruiting? And then like, how has that changed because of COVID? Like, what are you doing to recruit because of COVID? So it's kind of like a two-part question. Yeah, I mean, we've always, um, I guess, done our homework, so to speak, like recruiting is an ongoing process, right? So even with uh, this year, not being able to get out and watch people, you know, you're always watching a couple of years ahead of time. So you have a pretty good idea of uh, who's coming up and who you're interested in and also who's interested in coming to your team. People start emailing uh, quite early, even the year before to get on your radar. So but we've always been careful about who we bring into the team. I mean, you know, um, there's, you definitely want skill, but, um, you know, if you can find players that have that same team oriented mentality and selflessness and want to really work hard and be coachable and uh, do what's best for the team, I think that that speaks, I mean, that, that contributes a lot more than somebody who can just go end to end. Right. So, you know, we're out there watching all the time and watching the players in the lobby, talking to their parents, watching um, players in the game and their body language and how they respond to losing and or, uh, you know, uh, making a mistake, uh, how they interact with others. And I think that's more important than skill. I mean, when it gets I mean, skill, obviously, number one, you're looking for skating. You know, you can you can almost compete at every level. All you can do is skate really well. Right. So um, and then we look for building a team. We don't need a you know, we don't need 15 Ovechkins on the team and we don't need uh, one type of player. You need um, people who fill different roles and do things and have different skills and strengths that contribute to the team. So each year might be a little bit different of what you're actually looking for. But this year going into COVID, it's been very tough. I mean, you have to make decisions based on video and, you know, conversations and emailing back and forth and trying to get to know the person and their family and what their interests are and if they're a good fit for the team. Um, but like I said, people that we are uh, talking to, we've already kind of watched over a couple of years as it's an ongoing process. You know, we're looking at 07s and 06s now for next year, you know, um, or the year after um, because of that continuous process. But it has been difficult. It's really hard to watch video and try and make decisions on um, different players, but it's been going good so far. Well, you know, it's, he's, he's got a point. It's, it's great to have 15 skaters who can skate end to end, but I think the success of this team was largely built around team play. And, you know, if you, you can't really drop someone in who's not used to contributing to the team and expect them to succeed. So I, I think, you know, in, in a lot of cases you pass on somebody who you'd, normally assume that you would take on any team 
because you know they're really just not part of a co they're not willing to be part of a cohesive group um but you know it's it's really hard to break the tradition that we have here because we've had it for such a long time uh, we expect a certain kind of play we expect everyone to contribute when they don't contribute that way you know we course correct and you know as a result we've had uh we've had a really great run over the last several years yeah and just a one other thing to mention is um over the years it's nice that the burlington barracudas are highly represented by burlington players too it's been it's been kind of even a bonus to our success over the years is that we have a lot of homegrown talent a lot of homegrown kids that we've developed over the years and and uh i don't know if every team can say that so yeah and that's a good point and that's by design right like you know unless there's uh you know we always default to burlington residents right so if uh, we think they can play and you know they have all the skills and they may not be the absolute best choice out there you know skill wise we'll always default people who are committed and loyal to burlington i mean we all grew up uh you know I, at least for me anyway i grew up thinking that uh, rep was representing your city right so um you know you're proud to live in burlington and proud to be a part of burlington and proud to represent burlington as the top players in burlington and i know for some reason some people have to uh, make decisions to go elsewhere but um that that's been a big part of it and you know at the end you truly did develop these girls right so burlington developed these girls they weren't uh you know parachuted in at uh you know major bantam or something and play a couple of years in our center and um, they truly came up here and had success here and got their their scholarships to Canadian university schools here. Uh, so I think that's you know that's what we're trying to work for. That's part of the, actually the um, recruiting process, right? You want to retain players. Uh, we've had a really good retention record. I don't think anybody has left. Uh, you know, um, once they've joined our program, unless there just wasn't a spot the following year. It's a tough. A tough call right you are still trying to i mean the, the club would expect you at the junior level or at the double a level to field the best team right and sometimes you have to make the difficult decisions around that but for the most part we've kept everybody here and developed them and got them to the level that they need to get to the next level and then for the next question it kind of has to do with that one but i'm going to ask jamie this first because he's had two daughters go through it and his third one's going through it. Um, what's the biggest transition from either Bantam or Midget to Junior? Uh, well, I'd say the, the biggest thing from Bantam or from Midget to Junior for me, probably a tie between speed and physicality. Um, I noticed right away in the Junior game how much more physical it was and, and the aggressive play and the battling and the physical strength that some of the players had compared to, to and compared to midget. Um, but when I, when I compare like the PW to university though, I, to me, it's again, it's, it's probably strength there. Like I think our girls right now can jump into any university game and contribute and they would be excellent skating wise. Um, they would have no trouble speed, speed wise. Uh, but, physical strength of the game. That may be the only difference um, in some of the players is just uh, that the biggest difference to me is just um, the, si the size and the strength of the players more so than anything else. But the speed and the intensity yeah. uh, would probably be a close second. 
what I saw. Yeah, I, I would agree with that for sure. I think it's, uh, you know, um, I was listening to Mel Davidson the other day, you know, she's um, an icon in women's hockey and all hockey and, uh, and just uh, advancing the cause of sports in general. She's an amazing woman. She, you know, and she was talking just about that, right? Like, the men's game, even at the NHL level, is actually starting to look like the women's game, right? A um, little less open ice uh, hitting uh, and a lot, of, uh, a lot of contact along the boards and a little bit more possession game and, and all that kind of stuff, right? So, you know, I think, you know, I think people go into junior and you're kind of accepting contact and you're ready for contact, but you're not initiating it. And I think that's that was a step for some some people who move from you know uh, either Bantam Double A straight up or Midget Double A in is you have to initiate contact. It's you know it's there's no body checking in women's hockey, but it's full on contact for sure. Um, you know, and you have to go in and initiate that. And yeah, the speed for sure. Everybody's a good skater. Everybody's that much faster and stronger and bigger. And decision making, right? You don't have much time to make a decision with the puck. You need smart players who kind of already know what they're going to do before they receive the puck. Kevin, you mentioned body contact. How, how do you feel about body checking maybe coming back to the women's game? Um, I don't think it will. Um, but because um, I think they're really trying to get away from full on open ice body checking and, and, you know, you hear the term, you know, hitting a, a vulnerable player. And, um, you know, so I, I don't think you need full-on body checking in women's hockey. I mean, I, like I said, I think there is a lot of contact in a lot of areas of the ice, front of the net, around the boards in the corners, behind the goal line. So, but I, I, don't, I don't think you need to bring in body checking to make it any better. Um, I think it's... Uh, in a lot of ways, it's a lot better. It's a lot, uh, a lot better to watch women's hockey than it is men's hockey. I think. Um, same with you know other sports like tennis. I'd, I'd rather watch a women's tennis match than a, than a men's tennis match. You know, I think there's a, you know, a women who have a attention to detail. They're smart. They think things through. They possess a little bit longer. Um, and like I said, there's a, you know, it's a little bit more free flowing, more possession because there's not those open ice type of body checks. I don't think I don't think Paige would mind body checking if it was uh, allowed. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think you'd, you'd welcome that rule change when you yeah, Paige. I'd love it. <laughs> you know, it's 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 funny that our season kind of turned around last year after a few games. I think we kind of got off to a decent start, but yeah. Um, just speaking to the whole contact thing, I think when the girls when we convinced the girls to start initiating the contact versus waiting for it to come to them, it was it was kind of it was quite the revelation for them. Um, they really started to be more aggressive. And I'm not talking gratuitous open ice hits, but, you know, initiating the contact and receiving the contact are two different things. And, and I think that really turned our season around last year. Well, I think, too, that's what a lot of universities like D1, D3 universities are looking for, right? Players that are more aggressive on that and initiating the contact versus waiting back and receiving it, right? So, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, we typically had a strong, uh, big team there for a few years. 
you know, and we got a lot of uh, what people would call big girl penalties, right? So we were initiating the contact and then we had to kind of scale back a little bit because we were uh, getting penalties, right? And then, then uh, some of these girls moved into junior and uh, like Frank said, it was it's more about initiating it now. So once they figured that out, they got a little bit more aggressive and, and turned pucks over and, and made plays off it. Okay, this one's for you, dad. Yes, um, yes, daughter. <laughs> what is your favorite coaching memory? <laughs> uh, during the games, right? Uh, well, no, whenever. <laughs> Honestly, my favorite coaching memory was, I think it was a, I think it was the two nations and I think it was two nations in Brampton. Um, I forget who we were playing, but I think it was a U.S. team and the, the game was getting kind of heated and our head coach, I don't remember who it was at the time, Kevin Greco, um, was, was getting a little heated too because of kind of some poor fishing that was going on. So uh, I think Kevin's said something to one of the referees and she immediately turned around and tossed him and I said I, I yelled over to her I said no 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 that was me and she goes okay you're gone so I, I walked around the rink and I got chirped by every American mom who was in the stands <laughs> <laughs> all the way out the door um, but it was fun I was allowed to come back the uh, I, was, I mean look nothing really terrible was said but you know like things get said in the heat of the moment and you think you're getting jobbed by the ref so that, that was just kind of a funny memory for me so I, I spent some time in the parking lot that, that day <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what one. even we we take uh, selfless coaches as well right you had to take one for the team there and uh, <laughs> yeah. willing to put his neck on the line there that's right <laughs> We'd love to hear the other two coaches with their memories, yeah. Jamie. Uh, I got tons, but uh, <laughs> tons of great memories. Um, but I think it'd have to be uh, winning provincials in, in Bantam. Um, not only do we win provincials, but I don't think we even allowed a goal. <laughs> we, had, we, we had, um, we shut out every single game on the way to winning. And, and I'm not saying it was easy. Every game was like, we had some challenging games along the way. And some close games like one nothing, two nothing kind of scores, but to win provincials and not allow a single goal, um, to me, like I'll, I don't think I'll ever forget that special moment there. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was pretty good. And considering we, you know, I wouldn't say that we were a very def good defensive team that year. Can we um, talk about? Yeah. <laughs> Our defensive coach, Jamie Suter. Um, no, I, I, you know what I mean. Like I think. You know, if, if someone said we were going to go in and win a ton of games, one nothing, two one, one nothing, two one, two nothing, and I think even in the final against Cambridge, it was one nothing till late, and then we scored to make it two nothing. But you know, we were mostly, you know, most of our games were five one, five two, five three, kind of, you know, those types of scores. So we, uh, everybody was committed to playing uh, desperate defensive hockey, right? And you know, our goalies were great. Uh, they, they. Uh, they stood up and and uh, did what they needed to do all weekend, but that's a but you know you can't the shutout is you know probably eighty percent the goalie and then the rest is just that team defense. Right? Go ahead, Paige. Um, Am I doing my memory? My my greatest memory? Oh yeah, that, was, <laughs> that wasn't it. Okay, sorry. No, that wasn't it. No, I was just I was just uh, commenting on Jamie's. I thought that was a pretty uh, 
memorable experience. I don't really have a best favorite memory in coaching. I think, um, I mean, the things I remember most are when, you know, I get a text or a call or an email saying, Coach Kevin, I just committed to McGill or I just <laughs> want to let you know that, um, you know, or, or, you know, I just want to let you know I made midget double A for next year or, you know, when we were in midget double A and people were making junior or, you know, anybody, I think just seeing that those girls uh, can continue to play at the highest level, the next highest level. I always like those moments. Um, I can't think of like a team moment that, but just knowing that, you know, when you hear those things and that they're moving on and you, you had some part in that, you know, contributing for them to be able to go. I think it's amazing that girls can go on and be part of a team at university, right? And uh, you just have an instant group of good friends there. You're going to make really good relationships and get a lot of benefits out of being able to play a university sport and um, learn so many things and get so many great experiences. It's just, uh, I think those are the memories I always have is when somebody calls and says, guess what? I'm going here next year. You know, um, if we had some majors move on to the next level and we were still in Bantam, for example, and they made their midget double A teams, then that's, those are the things you remember. This one kind of goes with the recruiting one from before, but what kind of quality is for my dad? Um, what kind of qualities do you want to instill in players that are on your teams? Like on and off the ice, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we're trying to, we're trying to um, obviously, like I just said, I think, you know, we want them to be better hockey players and get what they want out of hockey, whether that's, playing at university or just uh, moving on to the next level or whatever they want at the hockey, we hope we can help them get there. Um, but I think, you know, all the other stuff that we do, I think is really important. If, uh, if the women that come in, young women coming through our program are better people on the other way out, I think that's probably even more important, right? So we want them to be confident, take risks and not be worried about you know, being uncomfortable, um, you know, learn about the better, you know, the bigger cause and, you know, what you do is, you know, for the team is more important for yourself. We also talk about the, people are probably tired of hearing it, but the, the, the old manufacturing term of Kaizen, which is, you know, there's something that you can do every day to be better, right? Um, whether it's in school or at home or with your parents or on the ice or in the gym, you can do something. I think you can do something every day that contributes to being a better overall person. So if we've given them that kind of mentality to have some drive and motivation and work ethic. And um, then I think that's probably the biggest thing. Okay. This one's for um, all the coaches. Um, how do you balance the funny with the serious at practices and games? Because I feel like even our coaches and a lot of our players have pretty good sense of humor and I like to joke at Frank yeah. <laughs> Sanchez mm -hmm. um well you know what it, this is this is about having I'll go first I'm sorry this is about having fun at the end of the day this this joining hockey playing a sport being with your friends there's a serious component to it and as long as everybody's taking the serious stuff seriously and 
and, and kind of doing what you're asked from a, from a training standpoint and paying attention to drills. It can all be a lot of fun. And it, it always has been. I've never had a bad day at the ring. I've always had fun. You know, there's, there's, I don't feel I have to draw a line between what's serious and what's funny. It's, it's always a good time. And we have a great bunch of girls and most of whom can take a joke. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to agree completely with Frank on that. Um, I mean, like there's times where there's times uh, throughout the season, sometimes Kevin has commitments with work and things like that. And then Frank and I are left to, uh, you know, run the practices and, and uh, I, I give the girls credit. Like a lot of times when that happens, when the head coach is gone, um, practices could be maybe not as intense. The girls are getting a little silly. I, for the most part, they've been great for us. Like they, 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 they work, they give us a lot of respect. I find they work really hard, even when Kevin's not around, which, which is great, a great quality in the team. Um, I know, I know Frank and I have enjoyed uh, running some sessions uh, together and the girls always put out their best. And I know like when they were younger, like a lot of times when we were joking around with them, they didn't even, everything was going over their heads, right? <laughs> and I'd be like, Frank, you should be saying that. Someone's going to figure that out sooner, sooner or later. <laughs> and then they started getting on to us a little bit. So we had to be a bit more careful, but uh, no, we, we have a good time with the girls and we have a good time with each other on the bench. We're having fun. Uh, we laugh a lot after games, sometimes uh, reminiscing about things that we said or, or saw or whatever with uh, refs or, Lots of things that happen throughout the game that we kind of forget about until afterwards. We're, we're, we'll be talking about it afterwards. And, but yeah, no, it's like Frank said, like it's always a great time. We I thoroughly enjoy going to the rink and it's a great part of our social lives, I think, and for the girls and for us. And uh, yeah, I'm going to miss it when it's all done. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, just to add on to Jamie's, yeah. sometimes I feel like I do even better when my dad's not there. Somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just quickly uh another good memory i had was the etobicoke game and I, I remember frank and i were like kevin was gone he was away yeah. and we're playing etobicoke who was probably the top team in uh, the pw last year at the time and frank and i were just going oh we just got to somehow keep this close like <laughs> <laughs> we had a game plan we're going over it and after the first shift we're down one nothing after the first period we're down three nothing and I think it was, I think we got a late goal in the second period to make it 4-1, a little bit of, so it gave us a little bit of hope. And I don't know, the girls just came out in the third period and it was unbelievable comeback. And I think Paige, you actually scored the uh, tying goal with like 10 seconds left shorthanded, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and we yeah. stole, we stole the so point off that. So 38 seconds left. Oh, but oh, after through that game, I know Frank and I were just looking at the clock going, this game cannot end fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of those days. That was one of those days where we rooted for the clock. Come on, clock. Come on, you can do it. Faster. Somehow the girls pulled it off and came um came back and stole the point there. That was great. Mm -hmm. But uh now we that's have a, I mean that's that's a trademark of that you know the, the core of this team right like so many games we start in the hole I remember I, th I think it might have been Vandermeer yeah you know, oh, almost yeah. every single game we oh, got scored God. on early yes. and it was always a fight from behind right but uh, they never give up you never really thought you were out of a game with uh, those girls like it is hard it is hard to balance right but um you know I think I think because we really enjoy hanging out with each other the coaches and some of the parents you know the um you know, that's a, that goes back to your recruiting question too, right? Like sometimes we're watching the parents in the stands when we're watching uh, the kids and, um, you know, when the kids know that the parents are all friends and the coaches are friends and they really truly enjoy being around each other and, 
and it, it makes it light for them too, right? Um, and we've never really had to, you know, again, back to recruiting. I mean, our girls uh, every year, they work so hard all the time. Like you really didn't have to crack the whip on them, right? Like they, they always just really worked hard. They always paid attention to detail, always, uh, you know, they're, they're kids and they would have their fun and their little moments. But uh, in general, they were just a motivated team, even through this whole pandemic, right? Like sometimes I'm like getting to the rink. I'm like, oh my God, I don't even want to go on. We haven't had a game in six months. And, you know, the girls are flying around and, and doing the drills at a hundred percent, you know, but um, yeah, I think you just have to, I mean, it is fun, right? It's uh, I really, you know, I think you really enjoy being there or you wouldn't do it. Um, it's funny that Paige made that comment, right? You know, I'm sure Jamie's thinking the same thing and, you know, uh, player Jamie and, um, you know, Maddie, if she was on the call would think the same thing. It's hard when your dad's there, right? And I had thought over the years, you know, I would even say to Paige before the, the, the year started, maybe I should, you know, maybe somebody else should coach this year and give you an opportunity, right? <laughs> What's that? I think you've said that every single year. Well, yeah, and I, because I'm not sure if it is the right thing to do to, you know, coach your own daughter for so long, right? So, or, um, but Paige would always say, no, I want you to coach, right? And then she probably regretted that about five games into the season. <laughs> well, you, you want the best for everybody, right? And we try and tell the girls that, you know, if we, you know, call you out on something or, um you know if we we demand that you are your best self all the time right so and we're not going to let you get away with not being that because we see the potential right and if we didn't see any potential then we just go to the rink go, okay yeah whatever let's throw some pucks out there and hopefully we might get a couple wins this year and you guys have fun but they you know when you see the potential in them you want them to reach that that potential so you are constantly trying to coach and correct and maybe a little bit too much sometimes. Sometimes you just have to let them figure it out themselves, but um, you just know that they can do so much and you want to try and uh, help them do that, right? So, but, you know, and I recognize sometimes too, maybe it goes over a bit too, right? You're so focused on trying to make everybody better and your own daughter better and want to see them because you know they can do it and you, you know, uh, you just uh, you, you straddle that line there of going a little bit too much. Right? I, you know, if, I think that, you know, we try to explain to the players that, that that should really show you that we care, right? Like, if I didn't care, like, who cares if Jamie and Maddie and Leah or whoever gets a scholarship or makes the next level, I don't care. We're just here to have fun, right? But you have to know the players, know what they want and push them, right? And it's so, you know, even if we're pushing you and telling you, calling you out of your mistakes, it's not because we think you're a bad person. It's we're teaching you and you need to learn, right? Gotta walk yeah. that line. You're the head coach. Um, well, from what I've seen, I certainly think they've all learned a lot from each of you. And like I said, Coach Greco is going to be back for the next two years to continue this. Uh, but we do, we do kind of have to wrap up the interview, unfortunately. But I'll get this quickly. And I know I think Jamie was going to ask it. So I'll... I'll let Jamie ask it, but I'll say, be concise with your answer. Wait, what? Go ahead, Jamie, with the last question. Oh, um, what's your biggest piece of advice in life or just in hockey? Biggest piece of advice just in general? 
Yeah, you can it can be specific to hockey or just in general. Um, that's a tough one. I think you know you just have to be, be um, accept accept who you are as a player, right? So um, everybody's different. Everybody has different skills. If you try and be something different, I don't think you'll be successful, right? So you have to believe in yourself and and um, believe that what you bring is important to the game and to your team and just uh, have the confidence to do that. Have the confidence to go take risks. Yeah, maybe you get yelled at, you bounce back, you know, have that resilience. Um, have the, you know, the awareness and the confidence that my coach is trying to coach me, my players are trying to make me better, I'm trying to make it better. And, you know, here's, you know, here's my skills that I bring to the game and they're important and valued. I think people try and try and be something else. And then you know, I think that's where you, maybe you, you don't, you don't feel comfortable or you don't, you don't have the results you want, right? Trying to be uh, a different person or a different player. You are who you are. Your, your personality is the way it is. Your strengths and weaknesses are what they are. Um, and then along with that, I'd say, I know that's not very concise, Jared, but I'm not a very concise person. Um, <laughs> along with that, I'd say like you, you have to develop, you have to go to practice and work on things you suck at, right? Like, um, you know, if you can go over the glove with a snapshot with ease and everybody knows it, why are you doing that every day in practice? You already got that down pat. Why don't you try using your backhand that you can't get off the ice, right? So don't be embarrassed about that failure. Like um, you have to have to work on those things that make you uncomfortable and be okay with it, right? Oh, I suck at backhands, but I'm going to do them in the next six practices in a row. Um, anyway, I'll turn it over to the other guys. Yeah, um, what he said, basically. But uh, I don't know, just for me is... Um, you know, just you know, work your hardest and have fun um, and be confident. So if you're doing those things, so you're working hard and you got confidence in yourself and your teammates and you're having fun playing the game you love, then everything else should fall right into place for you. Um, I find that when you're not having fun, if you're playing on um, like nervous and worried about making mistakes, that's that's when it can be very difficult for a player, I think. So just have fun, be confident, and always work your hardest. And everything else will fall into place for you. Frank? Yeah, I you know, I, I agree. And I think the other the other thing that I just want to convey, and I always try to convey, is that you know the, the game, women's hockey, the Barracudas. PWHL, it, it doesn't define who you are, or who you're going to end up being. So it's it's great that you love the game, and I'm I'm so happy that I have two girls who 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 love playing hockey, and they're they're friends with other girls with the same interests. And and hey, look, there's there's a it's it's not a glass ceiling, but this game gives you a lot of really fantastic opportunities. I mean. Both of you are going. You're going on to university next year, where you'll have the opportunity to be exposed to more things and new things and different things and find interests that you may not have even considered uh, before. So, you know, Paige, if you don't go on to be the best women's hockey player in the history of women's hockey, that's okay because you're going to do something else that's equally as amazing. And I say the same thing for Jamie and all the other girls. And uh, 
just learn and absorb and, and, you know, expose yourself to as many things as you can. It's a great big world. And I'm almost going to break in the song, but I can't think of where that goes. It's a great big world. Just enjoy the ride. You guys are in for some fantastic years. Yeah. Don't take yourself too seriously. Right. Like that's a good point, Frank. Like it's hockey and uh, it's your passion. So work hard and do your best, but it's in the end, it's hockey. It's right. It's one sliver of who you are. Well, I, th- I think some of our listeners are going to be disappointed because the three jokers said some pretty insightful stuff today. <laughs> well, I'm sure the girls, I think the girls are going to see you a lot this week from what I hear. Hopefully, Abby and I will get to see you at some point in the near future. Hopefully, we'll be allowed back and we can start filming some stuff at practices as well. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Uh, Thanks, Jared. You, Thanks, can, Jared. Uh, you can head out now. Thanks, Jared, and uh, thanks for all you're doing, you and Abby and the team. Uh, It's been a remarkable uh, year, uh, you know, because you and uh, Abby and uh, Jenny Moon and everybody else has put so much time and effort into trying making this year uh, enjoyable and bringing everybody together. And so um, I know you've been thanked quite a bit lately, but uh, it is truly appreciated. It's a difficult time for everybody, but... uh, all these things are uh, helping to keep us motivated on track and working together and at least even thinking about hockey, right? So um, thanks again. Thanks for today. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure, guys. Uh, So that was fun. Some some interesting kind of perspectives, maybe something different that the two of you may or may not have heard from your dads before yeah (laughs) Yeah. i know what teams he played on when he was younger yeah neither did i never asked only that he played in university but that kind of surprised me to be honest i had thought i had thought that that would have at least come up in like hockey talk no no but that's uh that's interesting so with, um, I mean, with the next coming weeks, obviously, hopefully you'll be able to get into it a bit more on the ice and fingers crossed that we can have some sort of a game. I'm sure the coaching staff will be gearing you up for something like that, regardless of, of whether or not it happens. We'll just wrap up with a couple of NHL discussions. The Leafs played last night. They won again, uh, despite not having Austin Matthews in the lineup. It looked like John Tavares really stepped up. And um, I mean, the team really just kind of stepped up as well. I would almost say more so Mitch Marner. Marner got a goal last night. Nylander as well scored. Uh, and they ended up winning 4 nothing. But it, it, was a, it was a really complete game, I thought, for the Leafs, despite having Matthews. And Specifically, the Leafs are at about 60 plus, 60 or more man games lost because they've had so many injuries. You know, you look at Wayne Simmons, they got Jake Muzzin back. Jack Campbell was back as well. He's been out for the majority of the season. Um, So they've been losing players that were performing well, but they're still performing well, despite not having those players. And, um, you know, I know, again, you were at practice, so you didn't get to see this game specifically, but the Kudas suffered a lot of injuries last year too. You know, you could look yeah. at player games lost last season 
And I mean, I'd say up about half the team was out at some point. More than half the team has got had got an injury and was right. out at different times. I think we had like one game, like one season game with everyone, and someone got hurt during that game. I think I feel like that happens to us often though, like throughout the throughout the season. Years, yeah. Well, it was a bit of it was a bit of a shock to me because that was with with this group i mean i've been with the kudas for four years but last year was the first year that there's really been a lot of injuries yeah so how how did the team kind of adapt to getting a lot of call-ups a lot of different call-ups i mean i had a whole page of call-ups that we thanked at the end of the season so yeah. how, how did you how, how do you navigate you know plugging people in and out of the lineup um well, I think like at the start, it was very difficult because we didn't have everyone and we had to figure a lot of things out with new players because they don't, they didn't know our systems and they weren't as educated as in the stuff that we were doing. But since it happened so many times, I think we got used to it and figured out how to include the call-ups in our games and what to do with them and like certain different things to, I don't know, adapt to it, I guess, but I think as it when the year went on, it kept happening. So we just figured it out ourselves and got used to it, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Well, and it helps too that some of those call-ups are now on the team full-time, like Julia and and uh, and Lily, right? Yeah, and Avery. Yeah. So that kind of almost helped them transition into this year, which was really interesting. We'll wrap up with the goalie interference play that I showed you girls on uh, our yesterday afternoon. So this was the, this was the game that Claude Julia afterwards got fired this game between Montreal and Ottawa. Montreal thought they scored the game winning goal uh, from Brendan Gallagher with about two seconds left, but it was called back because Brendan Gallagher, Gallagher <laughs> made contact with Matt Murray Matt Murray had five seconds to recover, got back up onto his skates, actually, was looking around to find the puck and had it redirected by Gallagher, who had been abused by Nikita Zaitsev in front of the net, managed to get back up, redirect the puck past Matt Murray and into the back of the net. This goal was called back for goalie interference. And I think we all kind of agreed that this really didn't make sense at all. Yeah, because they, they were saying how he didn't have enough time to get up and recover, but we, wa we, we were watching the video before this, and he had about five seconds to get up and recover, which is more than enough time for a goalie. So I think that's a little bit debatable. But I mean, it could have been called either way, honestly. Like, yeah. We've seen goals allowed where goaltenders have had less time to get up, right? Mm. So... I'm it, it just seems to me that the NHL goes so far and is and then has this just mind-boggling rule debacle and then that and that they shoot themselves in the foot with. I wanted to springboard off of this with you know when you're on the ice and you're playing and the referee is making calls that don't seem to line up with your understanding of the rules how difficult is it to adapt to different officials? Cause every official has a slightly different interpretation of the rules as well. Right. 
Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're not really playing against the ref, so you have to just adapt. You have to just like it's hard. It's super frustrating at times, and me and Paige, I'm sure Paige can relate. Yeah. It's I, <laughs> like it's hard. I know I get really, really mad at yeah. the ref sometimes and I like freak out, but like Jamie said at the end of the day, it's not against the refs and that's what they're gonna call and we can't do anything about it. So we just gotta play around it and figure everything out ourselves and do what we normally do. It's not worth like fighting with them because it's just gonna it can make, make it worse at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've given out extra minutes for uh being fought with before. Yeah. It's not worth it yeah. but yeah Paige I know you've you've come to the box on fire sometimes well yeah <laughs> <laughs> but we'll end it there uh because we we had a nice time with our with our coaching staff for Paige Greco and Jamie Suter Jamie Suter well there you go see there's two Jamies and it's wrong one wrong one, wrong one. um Jamie Castellic yep is the right one um, I just have to say before we go, we have our jersey contest wrapping up today for anybody who wants to get a last minute entry into the jersey contest. We'd like to make that jersey pretty soon, hopefully. Uh, we'll be voting on our favorites and then we'll release it to the public again and kind of let the world decide what our final jersey should be. We'd like to get that made so that we could potentially wear it at any sort of game that we may get this season. Fingers crossed, right? Um, but so get your entries in for that. If you haven't checked out last episode of Rise of the Cuda, that came out last week. Uh, episode 5 Haiti, that's up on YouTube. And we'll be developing episode 6 in the coming weeks. Um, trying to think of anything else i need to promote i don't think so um so we'll wrap it there i'm jared bafty and thank you for listening to this week's episode of kuda chronicles thank you thank you thank you for listening to this week's episode of kuda chronicles you can follow the Burlington Junior Barracudas on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Junior Cudas. That's at J-R-C-U-D-A-S. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and keep updated on future episodes of Cuda Chronicles and Rise of the Cuda. We'll see you right here next Sunday on Cuda Chronicles.